Hello everyone and welcome back to Sabbath School from Home. This is a pretty rough time of the year to try and come together and record podcasts and I also know from looking at the download stats that it's a typically a time of the year where people are outside their normal routine and so if you are listening to this close to real time, sorry it's been published a little bit late. If you're listening to this after having a great holiday season and you're catching up a bit on the backlog of episodes then we hope that it's still an interesting conversation. My name's Lachlan and we've got to finish up our season on mission. And I'm Luke and I'm very glad to be here as well. I feel like whatever mission um, I've been on, I I need a bit of time off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well... It's, It's been going rough and I need a break. I mean, at this time of the year, there's so many, we're all trying to get breaks. Um, but I know my own lived experience was that I was looking forward to the, the holiday time at the, at the end of a year of work so that I could catch up on a bunch of non-work related tasks. And how's that been going? Well, I, I proceeded to catch up on barely a third of them and then um, ran out of time. That was in the lead up to, to having some family over for Christmas. Um, I'm currently enjoying myself having a bit of a holiday down at Jindabyne, so I'm not catching up on useful jobs, but I'm hopefully just getting a little bit of a, a disconnect and a recharge. Hmm. Well, what are we talking about today? Okay, we're talking about God's mission, and this is the 13th and final episode in this season where we've been exploring God's mission. That's been the topic of the lesson. And um, the, the lesson for this week talks about the end of God's mission. And there's a lot that could be said, but that phrase brings to my mind, what is the purpose of God's mission? What is, what is the end goal, so to speak? Um, and there is a particular passage in the lesson that is a launch pad I'd like to use, and we'll just see what we can discuss about it. It refers to two verses, uh, one in Revelation and one in First Peter. And we'll turn to the First Peter verse in a moment. But it explores, or it uses these two verses to identify or find titles for the redeemed as it as it quotes so let's let's just look at first peter chapter 2 verse 9 um luke do you want to read it and we're reading it out of context i think we'll come back and explore the context but well we'll you you preempted my (laughs) my obviously um repetitive to the point of of boredom um objection to reading things out of context uh but I'll, i'll do it in this instance uh, on the provision that I can't promise to go back and compulsively share a bunch of context with our listeners. Uh, well, I think I think we actually need to. Discussion. I think we need to. But I want to open here simply because this is a launchpad to read one paragraph from the lesson that I think sets the right tone for us to be pondering this question, the end or the end point or the desired goal of, of God's mission. Hmm. Okay, so... 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Right. The lesson pulls out the royal priesthood, um, this idea of being royal kings and priests. Um, and I like this. I'm just going to read this little bit. The focus of God's mission is not simply to drag perishing people to safety. God's salvation offers a new and honorable status because God's image is restored in us. The redeemed become royalty, kings, 
because we are blood related to the King of the universe through Jesus' shed blood. Now, as royal family members, we join the mission of the royal family in the salvation of other human beings. This makes us priests. And I thought that was quite a nice little expression, adding some musings around, around just this phrasing that we've pulled out of this verse. But, but capturing the idea, I, I like particularly, the focus of God's mission is not simply to drag perishing people to safety. I think mm. in recent weeks we've discussed the way that sometimes evangelism is done with an obsession on information. Here, you, right. are in, you are in falsehood and darkness. I will present to you a truth. You can accept this truth and thus become saved in some sort of air quotes. Um, I actually think this passage that I just quoted from the lesson is a little bit of a rebuttal against that oversimplification. I like that. Mm. It, I mean, it's, it's very metaphorical, isn't it? I, I, I assume that without context um, because it uses multiple, it uses three, multi, three metaphors or four, really. Mm. Chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession. Yes, well, that uh, you've done exactly what I was thinking needed to be done. The lessons picked up the royal priesthood, but there's other metaphors right in the same sentence, aren't yeah, there? Yeah, and they're not they're not synonyms. A chosen people and a royal priesthood are not the same thing. Yes, a holy nation and royal priesthood are not the same thing. Um, but but they're they're obviously of a theme mm. that unites the the four things together. Yeah. Uh, uh, the singling out of the royal priesthood is an interesting one because, well, I don't want to assume too much. It's an interesting one to single out because of of those, it's it's kind of the most it's the most high status. Mm. Right, I see what you're saying. The right? the royalty um, are the um, just, just social sort of leaders. And the priesthood. Royalty is the highest ranking in, yeah. in you can get. A priesthood in a in a theocracy is the highest, is the rulers, is the ruling mm, class, mm. Um, and the Israelites were kind of always a theocracy at heart, even when they had kings. Yeah. Um, and yes, it, it it's two very high status kind of things. I mean, chosen people. Yes, you can be chosen, but what you're chosen for, and how you're chosen, and why you're mm. chosen, and you know those those are all. You know, you could be chosen to be incredibly humble. <laughs> yes. You know, um, a holy nation could be very much about morals. You know, it, it's it's not. Uh, you're a better. You're 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 a more wealthy or powerful nation than other nations. You are distinct from other nations, but you you're not. You know, and God's special possession. Well, yeah, that that is good. Um, but uh, again, special possessions. I've got possessions that are special to me. Mm. That have literally zero monetary value. Um, it, it, it's you know what I mean. It's it's kind of it, you could read these other three in ways which are like, well, yes, those are obviously good things. They're important things, but they're not. They don't necessarily confer any sort of any sort of superiority in, or anything like that. It's very hard to read royal priesthood as anything but a sort of upper class. Yeah, I may be I may be drifting way off track with the fatigue and things, but that that's kind of it. Just strikes me as interesting to choose that one to single out. I think it's a fair criticism. If if criticism is the right word, it's almost overstating it. It's a fair comment because the 
as you drew our attention back to the other metaphors in this passage, I'm struck by the construction of the passage. And listeners, you're going to have to get, forgive me for getting back on one of my favorite hobby horses. But don't you see here the same structure as the call of Abram? I mean, mm. God is essentially saying in this verse that you read, you're chosen people, you're a royal priest, you've, you've commented on the way that makes you feel special. But God says, you're not special for the sake of being special. Why are you special? As a result, and I'm quoting here from the first Peter 2 verse 9, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. So it's, um, it's all about sharing. Yeah, which we, we come back to, and I think you look at this in, in context. <laughs> oh, that yes. didn't take long, did it? <laughs> <laughs> We've got there. Well, we need to, um, and we need to especially because in my translation, verse 9 starts with the word but. So uh, mm. <laughs> it, it's well, clearly yes, picking mine, things mine, up. Mine also, the one that I'm reading today. Um, I, I just, yeah, it. there is nowhere in the Bible, I'm, I'm fairly confident, at least nowhere that I've read, nowhere that we've discussed on the many hundreds of episodes of this podcast that we've done, where being called by God or chosen by God or anything like that is actually a high status thing yeah. by the standards of the world, you know, in terms of material wealth or anything like that. Um, that is sometimes a side effect, but it's not the purpose of the calling. God didn't call Abram to, to make him rich. He did become rich, but that's not what God called him for. Um, and, and, it, and, and more often than not, where, where humans have, have gotten completely the wrong end of the message and misinterpreted it and, and gotten puffed up with pride, they, they get a smackdown, you know, the, yeah, Israel was to be a holy nation. Um, but at, you know, it ended up getting itself destroyed because it was picking fights with Egypt and Assyria and Babylon and getting conquered by Persia and Rome and 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 they they wanted kings even though the system they had with judges and priests was doing a very good job and the kings got all full of pride and in their status and did terrible things and you know and 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 Christ's message the teachings are really really clear you know, when his disciples are arguing about who's going to be sitting at his right hand in heaven, um, and he's going around washing people's feet. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and, and the verses just immediately after verse nine in this chapter um, are actually really interesting. And <laughs> it touches on slavery again, and it's even harder to deal with than the Paul quotes that we looked at yeah. previously. <laughs> um, significantly harder, in fact. But it makes it very, very clear um, that whatever being a royal priesthood means, it doesn't mean putting yourself above other people and going around thinking you're better than everyone else. Yes. It definitely doesn't mean that. Um, verses 13 through to 19, 20, you know, make that really clear. Mm. Yeah. Uh, referring to people who may still be slaves while they fall into the category of the chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation that, that has been referred to. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, all through, actually, there's a really fascinating, as I browse back and forward, uh, all through this, this chapter, um, starting in verse 4 of First Peter 2, there's this identification of Christ as the cornerstone of God's temple. And mm. then there's this, there's this extended, extended exploration of the metaphor of stones, temples, um, uh, followers of Christ. It's a very good metaphor. It's great, yeah. And verse 5, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. So, so Christ was the cornerstone of the temple, and now the people who follow Christ are living stones that are being built right. by God into Th- a spiritual temple. That are built temple. on the cornerstone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what's more, you're his holy priests. So as soon as you start being living stones to build a temple, what are the living stones in the temple? They are the priests, <laughs> in, in a sense. Yes. You can almost see the way that the writer is, is following a train of thought that grows and builds as they, as they go along. I, qu- I quite like it. Um, the but mm. that we referred to that opens verse 9 is because starting in verse 7, there's uh, a little bit of a contrast given. So, so he's been talking about the people who are the living stones who have accepted an, uh, Christ and are following God in the way of Jesus. Uh, but for those who reject him in verse 7, um, it quotes then from the Old Testament, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. So they are the builders who've rejected Christ as the cornerstone and are trying to identify or orient their life on a different foundation. Um, and another quote from the Old Testament, he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. And here it's identifying Jesus as being the stumbling block, if I'm reading it correctly, which is a really a really interesting kind of curl around of this metaphor. Um, but the author clarifies here by saying they stumble, they stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. So the mm. people that don't align themselves with Christ find his role as a cornerstone actually becomes a stumbling block for, for their mission in the world. If I can bring the word, the language of mission back in, this is described, what, is the, what does it mean to be participating in God's mission in the world? It means to be dedicating oneself as a living stone in a spiritual temple that is attempting to dwell with God uh, more and more clearly and more and more truly. Um, it's a, I, I enjoy it, actually. I think this is quite, a, quite an interesting metaphor. And it highlights one other aspect of it. If I'm reading it correctly, this passage highlights the ongoing growth and transformation, um, becoming a spiritual temple. Um, the, this is one point, one comment I'd like to make in, in a conversation about the end of God's mission. Um, I don't find it to be very resonant to say, oh, um, once somebody is saved, and I'm pulling out those air quotes again, then, mm. then God's mission is ended. Because I think God's mission is of ongoing transformation, revelation, inspiration, and clarification. And, and all of this, you know, we, we shouldn't really be thinking of it in terms of, have you crossed a, a threshold, a boundary? Um, that's how it seems to me. Yeah, uh, it's, I mean, I, I attended a baptism recently, and I'm, I'm very happy to report that the two pastors who, who, who conducted it and spoke, uh, which, is, which is typical, um, did describe it as the beginning of a journey, mm. um, as opposed to the end of it, and, and, and as an ongoing thing. 
uh, as an important choice um, and an important act and, and a milestone, but very much not the an end point of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought that was that was really good. And I think our our church generally has this understanding, except in very specific contexts, um, in very specific compartments, um, in which we we accidentally forget it. And evangelism is one of those, and measuring church membership is one of those, and, and I, that's tied to pastors' careers, it's how many baptisms they can do, um, and how many church members that has, and is it growing or shrinking, and these sorts of things. And it's like, we understand the doctrine properly. Why mm. don't we apply it to... Why don't we apply it? <laughs> you know, if we know that the baptisms are a start point or an end point, why are they the only measurement of a pastor's success then? Yes. <laughs> or, you know, because if that's the only measurement of their success, then what you're saying is that's the only measurement of their value. And if you're saying that's the only measurement of your value, what you're saying is that that is the only thing that matters. But if you yeah. ask anybody in the church, you know, is baptism the only thing that matters, they will say no. And if you ask them, well, is it the end of, of, of a, a person's spiritual growth and, and journey? They will say no. So we know it, but we don't apply it. Um, and that is an interesting uh, thing to ponder, because mm. I think that actually comes up a lot in Adventism. There's what we believe, but then when you look at what we do, it doesn't align with what we believe. Yeah, and we have touched on that. We've we've noticed that in some other topics of conversation in other episodes and other seasons of this podcast. I think it's a really important observation. Let me throw this question to you as as a... And we I may be going very off topic here. We can come back um, if you want. But if I profess to believe something... Mm. to myself and others but but in my actions i do something contrary to that belief is my belief what i say it is or is it what my actions say it is <laughs> which one is my actual belief yeah um because it can't be very both. no you can't be both and it's a really good question because i think it's 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 important it's got to be and in the end it's kind of dominated by what actually drives our actions if we're really, really honest with ourselves, then we have to recognize that the thing that actually drives our actions is the deeper core conviction right? in this sort of context. So, so mm. it's very, in this context, it's easy to say, oh, baptism is only the start of the journey. But actually, when we drill deep down into the collective mindset of the Adventist church, I think the reality is we do still think very much of the over the threshold, past the graduation finishing line. Uh, there's all of the evangelizing and reaching out and the baptism is, that's it. They're locked in. And another little behavioral element of this, when Adventist churches do baptisms, we conflate the baptism with membership in the Adventist church. And I'm not entirely sure that I see massive issues with that, other than to say, surely it must be possible for us to have the humility to recognize one could be baptized for their commitment to Jesus. Hang on. I do see massive issues with it. Right. You want to to explore that topic? (laughs) Since, (laughs) uh, Since you stumbled into it? 
I mean, only to, we should briefly, the, the point simply being, it's an, yet another example, isn't it, of where what we say doesn't mm. always line up very well with what we actually well, do. The, the only reason to believe that baptism and entrance into the Adventist church must go together is if you believe that only Adventists will be saved. Right. Only Adventists are, that noise that you just heard was my wife coughing in amazement um, <laughs> and derision <laughs> the, the 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 or if adventism is the only way that somebody can be a believer in christ mm. now i know some adventists who believe that but i would be surprised even with adventism if if most did Yes, most I, Adventists I, I, I've talked to would would not agree with that. Not least because Jesus wasn't an Adventist, yeah. for one, and neither were any of the twelve disciples or Paul, um, or anybody up until eighteen, even up sometime around eighteen forty four. Yeah, um, yeah. So, if you don't believe that, then you must admit that membership in the Adventist Church is not required to be a follower of Christ. In which case, it's not required for baptism. Now, if it's not required for baptism, but you are requiring it, what then is the situation when somebody wants to be baptized, they want to be a follower of Christ, they believe in Christ, Mm. but they don't believe in the 28 fundamentals? Right. So we could discuss this at absolute length. I mean, I I think that we should be able to baptize people into Jesus and accept that. I mean, if, if you're going to deny someone baptism... Yeah. Then you are essentially, if we believe baptism has meaning, it's important. Mm. It's something that people should do. You're, and you're then in we effect deny cheapening it, it, aren't you? Well, you're, I mean, let's, let's take, a, 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 let's take a, a literal view of this, which has been done by theologians and philosophers and, 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 and studiers of, 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 Christianity in the past and say that if you're not baptized, you cannot be saved. Mm. Right? That's something that that Christians have believed in many different varieties of Christians a lot of time. Thomas Aquinas um, quite famously believed, he wasn't happy about it, but he believed that um, if if a baby died unchristened, it would go to hell. Yeah. Because that's what he thought the Bible said. He didn't like it, as I said, but that's how he interpreted it. You, you, that, and that's why Catholics christen, the baptize newborn babies yes, and, and, and infants, and not they don't do adult baptism. Because if you don't do adult baptism and you die before you become an adult, you won't be saved, right? Yeah. Now, we don't believe that, but let's assume that you do believe that. Now, you deny baptism to someone on the basis of something which is not belief in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm then you are preventing them from receiving salvation. Yeah. Surely that's a sin. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So let's not get too subject in this particular detail, other than pulling it back to the the topic that we're trying to discuss. Um, And yes, it's a little bit vague and hand-wavy because we're trying to sort of wrap up a topic of, of mission that we've talked about for 12 other episodes. But it seems to me that if you can't, is it baptism? Is it becoming a member of a church? You know, it seems to me that there is no sensible point at which to say this is the end of God's mission um, for an individual person. God's mission for, to that individual person 
um, is an ongoing process of growth, discovery, and transformation. Um, that seems mm. to me to resonate with the lived experience that that I observe. Um, it sounds as if it also applies not just to individual people, but also to social groups of people, to cultures. So maybe Adventism itself, you, you identified that not, not perhaps ma many Adventists honestly believe that you have to be an Adventist to be saved. But I think historically, in the early days of the formation of the Adventist Church, that may have been a little bit more common of an attitude within the community. And it could be that that informs some of the cultural elements like the way we do and talk about baptisms. Um, mm. You know, the, one of the reasons why our actions might deviate from our stated beliefs is if we are a little bit semi-automatically adopting things that come through to us culturally without, without enough con sort of perhaps re-evaluation. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't think you need to be so so tentative in that assertion. That's almost certainly one of the reasons why we have sort of um, drift mm. in our in our beliefs is where everybody is constantly uh, receiving sort of uh, um, cultural um, inputs mm. and processing them and 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 adjusting themselves based on on those things um and i think we've talked before as well how um there's a lot of things in our church which we think are religion yeah but they're actually just culture yes yeah it's an easy trap um, to and into. and we think they're bible-based but <laughs> they're not in the bible at all they're, they're just culture um, yeah. And they, they, some of the culture didn't even come from our own church uh, or country or, yes. um, you know, uh, pick, pick something you think your culture should come from and it, maybe it came from somewhere else. Um, if, if, if you make any study of, of the things that impact people's beliefs or understanding... Um, you quickly find that uh, they come from all sorts of very weird places. Yeah, um, yeah. And you you can't necessarily predict them. Um, but anyway, that's a that's a bit of a sidetrack again. I I think you're yeah. It, it's a very interesting topic. This kind of difference between what we say we think and what we actually think. Hmm. Um, but but. How does that impact how we understand mission? Trying de desperately to reach some sort of yeah. <laughs> um, wrapping up of the of the quarter thought. Well, I, I mean, maybe we could discuss the quarter itself. I think mission is a really interesting topic. I, I feel like, in addition to kind of only scratching the surface, we've also kind of been all over the shop on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe, maybe just us, but also I think the lesson really jumped around. I mean, last week was Esther and it was, I don't think, I, I personally, I don't think they chose a story or a book of the Bible that had any relation whatsoever with the point they were trying to make. Yeah, um, I think that that is true. I think that it's true that it's felt a little bit jumpy around here. Uh, one of the things uh, regular listeners will be aware that I, in the very first episode of the season, uh, commented that I... 
I sort of do resonate quite positively with the idea of aligning myself with God's mission in the world. Um, and yet the same listeners will have heard us be at times cynical and at times skeptical and maybe at times heretical, I'm not sure, um, of some of the ways that that the Adventist Church has, has done what it calls mission um, activities. Mm. And, and um, I see a great consistency there, though, because... You know, even the passage that I read from the lesson at the start of this episode still obsessively spoke of God's mission in the language of, of human beings. And I just mm. see in my in my picture of this, I see God's mission as being so much far greater than this. Yes, it includes the idea of rescuing and restoring and redeeming individual human people. That is great. Uh, but I also see it as being bigger than that. I, I see God's mission as being a th- relevant to and active in the influence of redemption on cultures, on societies, on things in the world, in reality, in nature, in the cosmos, beyond the, the human conscious experience. Um, I had an interesting conversation with my 12-year-old son just recently not brought on by anything in particular, but just as playing with ideas sort of for the sake of ideas. And his his question was about um, animals being in heaven. Um, and many Christians have discussed at length the issue of will, will pets uh, experience the resurrection at the end of time. So all of this stuff highlights that we do actually sometimes think in in ways that are recognizing the value in creation beyond just our own simple selfish selves. Um, I think God's mission relates to and includes all of creation. And and so it's a very compelling and very big picture action mm. and view of the world. It's some, When you say you align with God's mission in the world, I actually think that it's a very big, interesting, exciting statement to make. Um, it's not a simple statement because actually then explaining or trying to understand what is God's mission in the world is is an ongoing process of, of growth and discovery. That's kind of what we've just been saying in the last 15 minutes. Um, so that would yeah, be my well, my critique. The, the one thing that I wish we could have added a little more for this quarter would have been and would have been trying to think of that big and if anything, even bigger in terms of the, the scale of God's mission. Hmm. Well, you remind me of um, one of the Psalms of David um, that we've looked at before, where he talks about God as the creator, um, but he talks about creation as something that is constantly happening. Hmm. Um, that it's being done all the time in all the actions of nature um, and all the animals doing their things and the water and the sky and 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 the sun and the moon and all all of those things it's creation is not something that happened and then stopped it's something which is constantly going on and that's you know it's it's very clear in the language of of the psalm mm. and and that's kind of you know when you're talking about um the mission being to all of creation it, that you reminded me of that it's it's kind of a similar yeah concept um I think I I wonder, um, and this is not a great inspirational summing up thought, 
but I suppose it is a bit of a challenge. Um, I wonder if the quarter on mission was a bit all over the place and and not as cohesive as some of the other themes that we've looked at. I wonder if it's if if that's because our church is a bit confused about its mission. Huh. Not in the not in the general sense. Understand the the concept, um, the you know the broad directive, but in the specifics, in the mm. in the details, in the nitty gritty of well, how do we actually do that? What does it actually mean to be a, a royal priesthood, um, or a living stone, uh, or, or or any of these other metaphors? What does it actually mean to bring people to Christ? Yeah. Um, when maybe we're not really sure. What's the best way to do it? Um, I think that's a super interesting maybe thought. The the challenge is is maybe well we we actually need to to kind of understand that because you can't throw yourself into a into a task if you're not really sure what the task is. Yeah, you know, and how often? I mean, I'm sure everybody's had that experience in whatever employment you have, where you're given something to do, and but you're not given the details. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you're supposed to achieve, but you don't know how you're supposed to achieve it. And you find yourself stuck because you don't want to waste time doing something that isn't going to yield the right result. But you haven't been given all of the details or you haven't worked them out. Mm. Um, well, I don't have a good answer to that. I think it's a really good question. I think it's such a good question. And I'm also eyeing the clock. That I think that we should leave that one unresolved. I, I invite us and any listeners to ponder that challenge. Um, I'm reminded of a famous physicist who, who was known to have said that if you can't explain a science idea to a reasonably interested year 10 student, then it proves you don't actually understand it properly yourself. Um, and, you know, is that the sort of is that the sort of situation we have here? We're having well, difficulty collectively, if, institutionally. If there are any reasonably um, interested Year 10 students out there listening at the moment, please feel free to contact us and let us know how badly we have failed. Yeah. <laughs> and how evidently we don't understand the topic. Well, that's exactly it. I think that's the challenge. So why don't we leave it there? That's leaving it there for this episode and also for this quarter and for this topic. So we're going to be picking up a slightly different theme in coming episodes. And um, that obviously means that the conversation moves on in a sense. But if you'd like to stay engaged on this topic, if you do have thoughts that relate to this or any of the episodes in the season, feel free to email us at sabbathschoolfromhome at gmail.com. We see that you are there because we can see the download stats. So thank you very much for, for listening. If you have shared this with with friends and family, then thank you extra much. Um, and you're always welcome to do so. And we do intend to continue working away, doing publishing episodes into the coming new year. So that will be um, something to keep your eye out for on your favorite podcast feed. So join us again next week.